Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Today, we are going to continue our look at the priesthood of Jesus. Jesus was a priest, not after the order of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek, which is a superior, righteous, and everlasting order of priesthood. Three of Cheryl's message titled, Our Incorruptible High Priest. Because King Melchizedek has not been a part of the conflict, and he meets Abraham with bread and wine, elements of a covenant. This Melchizedek is making a covenant with Abraham, and the elements of this covenant remind us of the elements of our covenant. Because Jesus came from God with his blood and body, represented by the wine and bread that we partake of in communion. Because Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this wine, you remember me. These are the elements of our covenant with God. He blesses Abraham. Blessed be Abram of God most high possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gives Melchizedek a tenth of all the spoils of war. Though Abraham refused any of those spoils, he acknowledges that he owes the victory, that he owes everything that's been gained to Melchizedek. He owes it to Melchizedek. This same priest and priesthood is mentioned in the Messianic Psalm 110, where God declares with an oath concerning the Messiah, the son of David, the Lord is sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Remember, this psalm begins with the son of David. David said, The Lord said to my Lord, verse one, sit on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And that goes on after talking about the son of David. Now, the son of David obviously is going to be divine because David calls him Lord. And the son of David is going to be a priest after a higher order, an order that preceded the Aaronic order. So what is so significant about this priesthood and this order? One, it proves the legitimacy of Jesus' priesthood and kingship. It shows that Jesus' priesthood is superior and preceded, came before the Aaronic priesthood. 
that Jesus' priesthood has been a constant. It is from everlasting to everlasting. Melchizedek's name is significant because he is the king of righteousness. There has been no other king who can make that claim to absolute righteousness, even as we started in the introduction. Even the best kings became corrupt, but this is an incorruptible king. This is a king who is absolutely righteous. Melchizedek's kingdom is significant. Verse 2 of Hebrews 7, because he rules over Salem or Jerusalem, whether that is the earthly Jerusalem or the heavenly eternal Jerusalem, we don't know because at this time in the Bible, Abraham didn't know that Jerusalem would someday be the capital of Israel. In fact, that was not known until David became king that Jerusalem would become so significant. He is the king of peace. But that word peace, again, is the Hebrew word shalom, which doesn't just mean peace. Peace is a part of it, a big part of it. But it means security, prosperity, health, benefit. Melchizedek's genealogy is significant. Verse 3. He does not have a lineage. We're not told who he's begotten from. You know, like it's not Melchizedek, the son of Melchizedek. There's no, you know, and then his son was. Because in the Old Testament, everybody was proven by who their father was or by who their sons were. That's how they were known. Growing up, I was Chuck's daughter, Chuck's daughter. Then I became Brian's wife. I have, a, I have a lineage. And we often use who came before us and who came after us to identify ourselves. Melchizedek in the Bible, which is so, so unique to everyone else, does not have a lineage. In Ezra, these men came and said, we're of the priestly lineage, and they were not allowed to serve because they could not prove their lineage. Interesting, most of the lineages were lost during the Assyrian occupation of Israel and the Babylonian occupation of of Judah when, when everyone was taken captive. Only the tribe of Judah and some of the tribe of Am I losing you with all this history? Are you okay with this? I'm going to get to where it applies to us. I am. The reason this is significant too is because today all those lineages are lost. Every single lineage was lost when Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. Those lineages, which were so significant when the Israelites came back from Babylon, have all been lost. Nobody can prove that they deserve the priesthood. Nobody can prove that they deserve to be the king of Israel. Nobody. All of that's lost. All of that's been corrupted by intermarriages, even if they could DNA it. There's no pure seed. 
But Jesus is the last one who traced his lineage. Jesus. Jesus is the one who could trace his lineage back to David, to the throne of Israel. On both his mother and his stepfather's side, he had the biological right and he had the legal right to the throne of Israel. But Melchizedek, There's no one who comes before him, no one who comes after him. In other words, he is the constant priest. He is the forever priest. He has never been, there was no one who preceded him as priest, and there is no one who comes after him as priest. He reigns forever. He is the eternal priest. Abraham significantly tied to Melchizedek, verses 4 through 11. Abraham, who was the patriarch of Israel, because Aaron would come out of Abraham. So Abraham's greater than Aaron because Aaron is, you know, great-great-grandson of Abraham. So Aaron is inside of Abraham, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like your grandfather contained the DNA that's now yours, your great-great-grandfather. So Aaron's inside of Abraham. So in effect, Aaron is paying tithe to Melchizedek. Aaron is acknowledging that the order of Melchizedek is superior to the Aaronic order. Aaron and Abraham are acknowledged their indebtedness too. Even as by our tithe, we acknowledge our indebtedness to Jesus and what he's done. So Aaron was in Abraham tithing, thus acknowledging the superiority of the priesthood of Melchizedek. Tithes were only ever given to priests and for the temple. Melchizedek blessed Abraham. And according to verse 6 through 7, only the greater can bless the less. Only the one with the greater power. Only the one with the greater gifts and money. You know, it was so hard to bless my dad because my dad had everything. But he was always blessing me with what he had. But, you know, to bless him, I remember one year, my dad loved, loved, loved classical music. And I found these classical CDs and I bought them. And I gave them to him for Christmas. And he opened them up and he said, (laughs) I just bought these for myself last week. Another time I bought him a suitcase. Like he needed new suitcases, was so frayed and everything. And he said, I just bought myself a new suitcase. It's like, no, I want to bless you. But I never could. He was always the blesser, always the blesser. (laughs) I remember like one time in my life, I can remember my dad letting me pay for dinner twice, two times. I couldn't bless him. I just had to smile and be a loving, kind daughter, which was super easy because I adored my dad. Still, I adore him. He's in heaven. He's running around with David and Gabriel. Still adore him. It is the one with the power, the authority that blesses the lesser. 
Abraham had the promises of God. You would think he was the greater one. The one with the promises seems to be the greater. But no, Melchizedek was greater than the one who had the promises of God. He was greater than the one who had the promises. Verse 11. The fact that such a priesthood is declared in Psalm 110 for after the law. So you understand it's declared before the law is given in Genesis. And now it's declared even after the law is given, showing that the law was not enough. It it could never bring anyone to perfection. The priesthood of Aaron could never fully forgive our sins or atone for our sins. We needed a greater priesthood. Melchizedek's priesthood is from a higher order, a greater law that predates the law of Moses, which accommodated, verse 12, you see the priesthood of Aaron is an accommodation, not the ultimate. And then finally, we're told that no man officiated from the altar of God except the priest Jesus, who is after the divine order of Melchizedek, verse 13. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. Sorry, I've got three more points. Melchizedek's order arises from the declaration of God, not from a fleshly command, because the law is fleshly. It's meant to govern flesh. This is a higher order, a higher law, a higher command, and it's by the oath of God. It is by God saying, I swear by myself. This is absolute. This is so true. Remember how we were told earlier in chapter 6? That when God wanted to show the surety of his promise, he swore by himself that by two immutable things, we might have this confidence. What are those immutable things? The word of God, which cannot change, and the oath of God. These are immutable. So this priesthood is greater because it comes by an oath, not by a lineage, not by a heritage. It is superior because it's eternal. It has, again, predates and goes on, and it will be forever and ever. Thou art forever a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is a priest forever, according to the Melchizedek. So, yes, what does this mean to us today? Because next week we're going to talk about the priesthood a little bit more, and it's going to get really good. But this is what it means to us today. And this is what we need to take home. And this is what we're going to need to preach to ourselves. Jesus, by his office as a king, as our king, who is incorruptible, who is righteous, who is eternal, who is good, who is gracious, who is merciful, is able to lead us, protect us, fight for us, defend us, provide for us, and govern us as no other king or sovereign on earth has ever been able to do. He is able to do this, but as priest, as our priest, he is able to atone for us He is able to provide complete and thorough and eternal forgiveness for us. 
In Mark chapter 2, verse 10, Jesus said that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And they said he blasphemes because no one has that right by God, but God. And Jesus says, Mm-mm, that you might know that there will be no denial. I have said to this man, your sins are forgiven you. I could have said, just take up your bed and walk, but I want you to know something, that I have authority on earth, an authority that no priest has ever had. They could only cover sins, but I have authority to forgive, to absolutely wipe it out as if it never happened. Jesus alone has this authority, has this power, but he also has this. He alone is able to bring us to God. The high priest could only intercede for God, tell you what God was saying, but Jesus takes us into the very holy of holies, into the very throne room where we appear before God and God says, hello, daughter, hello, beloved. What grace do you need? What mercy do you need today? Only Jesus has been able to reconcile us and take us right into the Holy of Holies. Something that the high priest could only go alone. But Jesus has brought us in to the very throne room of God. As our high priest, he intercedes for us. Now, the other high priest, they could only guess what was going on. Remember Eli? He looks at Hannah and she's like, because <laughs> it said that she was praying, but only her lips were moving. And he comes up to her and he goes, how dare you be drunk in the court of the Lord? And she says, no, 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 I am not drunk, but I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. And then, you know, by way of apology, he says, okay, then whatever you ask God, it's going to be done. She's like, hey, great. She goes out. It's like, wow, I have a word from the Lord. He's such a bad priest. Sorry. You know, I mean, he didn't know. He misjudged. He misunderstood. Not our high priest. Not our high priest. Our high priest knows our heart. He knows. He knows the motivation in our heart. He knows how good we want to be. Oh, we want to be so good. We want to be so kind. We want to be misfortunate friendly and miss congeniality. Instead, we're miss hiding out. We're miss, miss shy, miss embarrassed. Like I really want to share about Jesus, but my mouth won't work. He knows our heart. He understands us. He sympathizes with our weakness. He's not like, shame on you. How dare you? No, he's like, daughter, I know because you can only do by my grace. So lean into me. He prays for us. He goes to the Father and says, see, I covered their sins. I adore them. I died for them. I justified them. And he prays in John 17, Lord, I pray for these that you have given me, that they might be with me in glory and they might behold the glory that I have and the glory I had before the world was ever made. What a high priest. He can take us all the way into glory. He understands us. He prays for us and he knows exactly what we need. Every hour, every moment, he knows exactly what we need. This is the king we need. This is the king. We need a righteous king. 
We need a protective king. We need an uncorruptible king. We don't want a king that lusts after us or lusts after young women that goes, hey, sweetie, I'll help you. No, we don't want that kind of king. We've got a righteous king that is incorruptible, that doesn't take concubines, that his bride is the is dressed in white and absolutely pure. That's our king. That's our sovereign. He is the king we have always needed. He is the king we need. And he is the king who is everything we need. He is peaceful. He is beneficial. He has order, strength, and power to hold everything in line. He is unshakable. He is eternal. He cannot be defeated. He never changes. He is constant. He, you can always go to him and you have access. He is always available. He is greater than Abraham. He is greater than David. He is greater than Aaron. And he is the high priest and the king that blesses us, that desires to bless us. He is the priest we need, the priest that is incorruptible, the priest that is humble, the priest that blesses, the priest from a higher order, the priest that never changes, the priest that is eternal, the priest that is forgiving, the priest who imputes the righteousness, his own righteousness to us. This is the king and priest that God has given to us in Jesus. Again, he is the king that we need. He is the priest that we need. Why would we seek anything less? Why? Isn't it interesting? There has not been a priest in Israel since 70 AD. Within 20 to 40 years of Christ's death on the cross, there has been no priest no one to atone for the sin of any Jew. It's gone. You can't even attempt it. There is no forgiveness in any other name, in any other ritual, in any sacrifice, because there are no sacrifices but Jesus. That is the only way to forgiveness. That is the only way to God. But with Jesus as our king and priest, we are safe, we are whole, we are protected, we are loved, we are tended, we are known, we are understood, we are nourished, we are forgiven, we are blessed, we are glorified, we are sanctified. Why? Why would you want anything less? Why would you look to the law? Why would you look to ritual? Why would you look to your own works or any man? When we have Jesus with us always, always, his spirit with us always, Jesus is greater, grander, and more glorious than you realize. We have what we have always needed in Jesus. These qualities are not found in anyone else. No one else but Jesus. No one else than the Messiah. And when we receive Jesus as our sovereign and high priest, we enter the kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. That very soon, my friends, very soon, as we see the kingdoms of this world 
fading, corrupting more and more and more. Very soon, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. But even now, we can begin to experience the glory, the gladness, the good of being in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our great high priest. He understands and prays for us because he knows our needs. He is our righteous priest, unchanging and incorruptible, who we can trust and depend on. He is our great high priest who made the final and ultimate sacrifice for our sins so we could be forgiven and restored in our relationship with God. He is unlike any other high priest that has ever been because there is no forgiveness in any other name, ritual, or sacrifice. He is the only way to forgiveness and the only way to God. Jesus is our great high priest and all we'll ever need. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at how Jesus meets all our needs as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.